All right, guys, today on the Leadership to Wealth podcast, um, we are going to have a we have a great show lined up for you. And I'm a little emotional right now, but it's because we talk a lot about parenting on today's episode and the impacts of, you know, society, different things like including AI and what its impacts are going to be on your business, on your kids and how to use it to your benefit. You know, a lot of kids really have a challenge and maybe even you have a challenge with what am I doing and why am I doing it? Well, we talk a lot about trying to learn what problems you want to solve in this world. And I especially want to point out to you guys on today's show for the dads out there, we really get into making the most of every opportunity you have with your kids, especially knowing the busyness of your schedule with whether it be business, career, or whatever it might be that you get into. And so today's show, we've got a dad coach, a vice president for an IT firm, and just a great guy. I'd like to introduce to you, John LeBrun. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, John LeBrun. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on here. I love what you're doing with your show. Love what you represent. And just excited to get into this conversation. Actually, the, our goal here is to shorten the learning curve to building wealth. Mm -hmm. And rather than trying to solve the world's problems, let's talk a little bit about the, the westernized world uh, between Canada and the US. I mean, I, I, I'm guessing that you you've gone down that road you know, because you you really see something there that's missing for people. Yeah, so I would say, let's start here. I would say one of the biggest issues that people have is attention. So one of the things that people in, in companies in general are fighting for is your attention. Yes. And as consumers, entrepreneurs, leaders, anybody who wants to succeed in life, we have to get good at understanding that everybody wants your attention, but you have to be good at who you're going to give your attention to and your energy towards. And okay. so as a father, one of the things I try to get my kids and myself to do better at is how can you focus your energy towards what you need to be focusing it towards, not what the world wants you to focus it on. Because every advertising agency, every social media app wants your attention. Every political regime wants your attention every four years in the united states we have elections and you'll notice yeah. the cycle of the news wants your attention and it changes based yeah. on how they want you to respond how they want you to react how yeah. they want you to vote and all those things so understanding that most people have an agenda for you i'm shaking my camera i'm getting so excited um mo most people have an agenda for you yeah. and understanding that and you need to be laser focused on your purpose and your mission and allow yourself to make those decisions, not other people's agendas to make those choices for you. Mm. Okay, you just went real deep there uh, when you started bringing in uh, purpose in there because I think for a lot of people, that that's just a challenge. They, they don't even know what to do with that when you say the word purpose. Mm. What, what in the world is my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing? What What's my purpose as a father, as a husband, as a... a as a business owner, as a, a vice president, a top executive, any of the, you know, when we're talking to, for the, for the guys out there, good luck. By and large, we just think I'm going to do this because I'm probably good at it, but 
what's my purpose? I have no no clue. How can you throw out that word purpose? And what do you mean by that? Yeah. Um, one of the things that I think stops people is they'll be in a career. And then I'll get questions like, I just feel like I'm not making a difference. Or I feel like I'm not living in my purpose. Or I feel like I should be doing X, Y, Z. And still flip from job to job to job. And like, Maybe I should be an entrepreneur. Maybe I should do something on my own. I have a side hustle. And all of them might be correct. I think the question people have to start asking themselves is, what problem do I want to solve? What problem do I feel called to solve? And I think that question, if you can start identifying that, can start to steer your mission or your purpose. Because you have multiple purposes in life. I have a purpose within my family. I have a purpose within our company. Now, I have core values that don't change across the board. But my purpose changes based on the circumstances of of different, I guess you could say, areas of my life. But my values don't change. But the problems I want to solve is what directs the adventures that I jump into. And that should be the same for everybody else. What is the problem you feel led to solve? And until it's solved, you will have the most, the highest of energy to to tackle that issue. But that'll also tell you, okay, I need to solve this problem. I need to solve the problem of how to make AI the most accessible feature for people in general. Okay, let's say that's it. Now, do you do work with a company? Maybe a company doesn't have that mission. Maybe that means you need to do something on your own. That's that's the answer I would ask. That's the what I ask my kids to start to learn to answer. Not what is my purpose? What is my passion? Because I had a passion for a long time of, and I still do, of ceramics, right? Throwing ceramic wheels and making bowls and stuff. I did it in high school, loved it. But man, it's not a purpose. It's not something I feel led to do. It's just something I enjoy doing to kind of as a calming presence. John, what I'm really loving about that is really identifying a problem that you want to solve rather than trying to figure out this overarching, uh, what is my life all about, you know, in, in this moment of loneliness or fear or angst or that kind of stuff. Because by and large, most of us, I think, won't even know fully entirely what our life was about until you close the book on it right until you've written all the chapters Mm -hmm. and um and so i i like can you say a little bit more about even how to identify that problem that you want to solve is that something that you can you can help us go down the rabbit hole with a little bit sure a little bit um i think there's coaches that'll try to help you find your purpose and stuff and, and some are excellent. I've used coaches literally just as when I knew that I needed to be coaching, for example. I loved it. I felt like I was good at it. I felt like I had the ability to listen and do certain things that coaches should be able to do. Be empathetic, sit in someone's pers- from someone's perspective, all those things. But I didn't know exactly what I should be coaching. And so I had somebody help me clarify that direction he didn't give me the answers but he helped me answer the questions i needed to find that niche Hmm. but to be quite honest half the work to get there was just trying things it was experiencing things and so a lot of people in their 
late teens, early and even late 20s, and I would say even 30s have this feeling like they're behind, like they need to figure out their purpose, their mission. The reality is you've only been an adult for like four years or eight years, that kind of thing. I'm 39 years old. I've only been an adult for 21 years now. I have a lot more adulting years than I have had so far. Therefore, yeah. to be quite honest, I have so much time to figure that out with the way healthcare and stuff is. I mean, we're going to be 80, 100 years old and still running around. So people just panic and like, I got to figure out this purpose. <laughs> you got to try stuff. You got to experience life. You got to have failures. You got to go through the grinder a little bit. You have to be forged a little bit. You have to have things that impact you deeply. So then you know what you care about in life. If nothing's ever impacted you, how do you know what things you want to tackle? How do you understand what problems are affecting or are passionate to you if you've never had any problems that you've faced? And you don't face the problems until you've started going through life. So take a job. Go on some trips. Try Start an adventure with some friends. Don't be afraid to pivot. Don't be afraid to say, hey, I think this stops here. The one thing I wish I would have been better at was stopping things early and making those transitions. I was the go down with the Titanic guy. I was the, I'm going to stick stick this out until the end. Is there good qualities to that? Sure. I didn't want to quit on people. I saw a lot more in people than they saw in themselves. I'm glad. I don't regret that. But there's a lot of things I thought, man, I wish I would have stopped this five years sooner and made this pivot. But at the end, do I really wish it? I guess I'm, I'm happy where I'm at, happy where life is. And so who knows if it would have been in the exact same spot. So I guess I was meant to go through those things. But don't put too much thought into it. But there's a difference between people who just kind of go through life, like just randomly. They just work their job. They're just fine with complacency. And people who are trying experiences and always with the focus of what is it I want to get out of this experience? And what is it I want to do next? That's a different kind of person than the guy we all know or the dad we all know who is. I'm happy for them that maybe they have a good family. Maybe that's their life purpose. But there's a lot of people we know who they're going to go to the grave with a whole lot in them still. And I just feel bad because they could have done more outside of just the, mm. the job that they hated and were too scared to get out of. There's so much like I just feel like God doesn't make junk. And there's so much that he puts in the seeds of greatness he puts in these guys. And so many of them just will not allow it to manifest. So mm -hmm. I don't know if that answers your question exactly, but I guess to boil it down, I would say start trying stuff with intention to learn. Yeah. And, uh, and don't be afraid of new experiences. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting that even as you mentioned uh, about God and the Bible and there there's. Uh, for those of you that that are familiar with it, there's a lot of passages that literally talk about um, sort of transitions in life you know uh, when you're younger you know hey uh young men you guys should be doing this then when you get a family you know you should be helping and serving your community this kind of stuff and then as you get a little bit older hey you need to be counseling and advising the young guys and and helping and teaching and this kind of stuff and and it's so interesting that we are in a day and age where so often we feel like we're supposed to be further ahead yeah. Oh, I'm 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 here at 21. I'm already supposed to be, you know, at this point. Meanwhile, I'm here approaching in on 50 and thinking the further I go, the more 
the more I realized, man, I thought I had stuff figured out and I didn't have a clue mm -hmm. on so many different levels, right? Because you you learn more and more and you're able to pivot. And so I, I, I love what you're sort of pointing out there. Why? And, and I want to come back in, about what you were talking about, fighting for, for attention, for our attention and the media fighting for our attention. But what do you see when you when you're looking at youth today and when i say youth i'm going to talk about teens right up to anyone in their 20s because mm -hmm. it seems like people are getting older and older and are challenged with this idea of you know being an adult mm -hmm. and so what are you seeing that says this, this might be why people are having difficulty with trying things and being okay with mm. failing. Well, why do they live, think they have to have it all figured it figured out? Yeah, we live in a highlight real society. So Instagram is basically like Sports Center. You guys have Sports Center? Yes, it's we all do. the good things. It's all the yeah. great parts. It's all the highlights, the ex exciting wins. It's rarely the failures. Right. Unless they have a little like real about the weird things that happened during during the weekend. But for the most yeah. part, Sports Center is highlights. Yes. And there's a few people who put vulnerabilities on social media. But for the most part, we put our good stuff on there. And I tell people all the time, even within family, like you have to understand that Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, whatever. It's just about posting the good, the wins in life and mm -hmm. how that looks in reality on there is not how life is in reality. We've all had friends who we, we maybe don't see them every weekend. They're married couples and they seem to be doing great. And then all of a sudden they're split and people are like, how did this happen? <laughs> they were so happy. No, they've obviously been unhappy for two to five years before this or so one of them at least was nobody's just randomly unhappy and they split within a week. Somebody's mm -hmm. not been happy within the relationship for years, but they're posting highlights. And I'm not saying you should post your garbage on, on those platforms. Cause to be quite honest, none of us feel better because you give us all your problems. So I'm not suggesting that, but just understand what it's for. I don't post my problems on LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram. I post things that my kids do and all those all pictures from my mom to see, all those exciting parts. So people have this thing where like they can't experience failure or they're too afraid to fail because of how it might look to everyone else. And the biggest thing I, I put my kids in positions not to fail, but because I'm not trying to make them fail, but I would say I'm allowing them to have failure. Yeah. And the biggest thing is it's not, a lot of parents allow their kids to have failure. It's not the fact that they fail. It's how are you responding as the parent? Mm -hmm. Like, what is your reaction? And everybody says, well, I, I react nice and so forth. It's not a big deal. I'll let my kids fail. Okay. But let's check the ego of the parent. Meaning, so the easy one is the sports dad, right? That's the easy one to see. We all seen the sports dad. I coach my kids in their sports. And both do fine. None of them are the best kid on the team. That's fine. Both do competitive things. I, my son wrestles. He's in wrestling season right now. And he has good, good wrestling matches and not so good ones. Some he wins and some he gets his butt kicked. 
Every single one he learns. But I also see the dad who's screaming at his son for not making weight or for not mm. doing X, Y, Z. And the reality is the kid is 10, 8, 11, something like that. So instead yeah. of allowing him and seeing it as a growth opportunity, dad sees it as a, something that's impacting him and how other people see him and my kid's not winning. Therefore, him not winning, it looks bad on me, all those things. Okay, let's take it a step further. How about grades? Everybody's like, well, my kid's not, I'm not, I'm not the sports dad. Okay, let's be the grades dad. What happens when your kid brings home a C on his report card and you tell him it's not acceptable? Why is it not acceptable? Like, let's be honest. You're 50. I'm 39. I'll be 40 this year. Or you said you're approaching 50. Apologies. I don't want to speed that up. But <laughs> you look great, by the way. And so Thanks. let's be honest. Looking back, do any of those grades matter in life? I'm not saying your children shouldn't give effort, mm -hmm. but the reality is we see a C and our grading scales, A through F, basically, I'm assuming you're similar. And when they hit that average score, so many parents are like, this is not acceptable. You can do better. And I know it. I'm not saying don't have accountability and don't expect to have, you want your children to exceed. And I would say put in the effort. But why are we getting on them about something that is virtually meaningless in life? School should not be about a letter grade. It should be about learning and not even learning a specific topic, but understanding how to learn is a lot more important than understanding a topic or memorizing things. And so there's too many people I know who did mediocre in school who have excellent lives as adults. And I know a lot of people who are valedictorians and they do nothing as adults. So we know that it's not like this is 1950 and we haven't learned this stuff. We know this, but our ego still makes us be, still reverts us back to the old mentality of we're well, never going to get into the good college or you got to get into a college that's noteworthy. So when I put it on Facebook, everybody is excited for you, not the local community college, but Berkeley or something like that. And it's just, yeah, our egos get in the way. And I think that it impacts how young people view failure. I don't think it's, we want to blame young people for being like marshmallows or whatever, snowflakes, whatever you want to call them. I, I think you have to look at parents. I mean, how many conversations do you have around the dinner table where you get to openly talk about what you've tried and failed that week? Probably not many. Maybe we should start having those. Taking a little bit of accountability, taking a little bit of responsibility there is what I'm hearing. And, uh, and I love it. I love it for, for, us as parents and and taking accountability and responsibility for our own actions, our own involvement. I, I think what you're sharing there is really powerful. And and uh, you know, for those of you guys listening, there there's a question in there. What have you shared about with your kids this week? What vulnerabilities, what attempts, what failures have you been about? to inspire them to that. It, 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 that's, that's what I just heard from you, John. It was, is that a fair question to, to, for us to ask ourselves? Yeah, so parenting is called parenting because it's about the parent, not about the kid. <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. That's the first time I've ever heard that. Uh, <laughs> parenting is about parenting. Uh, that's why it's called parenting. All right. It's about the parent. It's about the parent, most parenting not the think kid. it's about the yeah. Yeah, Most people think it's yeah. about the child. Yeah. The child is a reflection of their environment. I don't believe kids are developed are ever created bad. 
I don't think people are created bad. I think they're innately good. It just comes down to what environment were they brought up within. And it doesn't even have to be perfect because we all make mistakes. So my son, he's an amazing little man. He had uh, a couple of detentions this year and he's not malicious. He just would, he's a very, in a very, he's in a special school with, that's with cool things and they're very strict. And so he got in trouble for a couple, like making a joke in class and stuff like that. Nothing crazy. I mean, it was yeah. silly. He learned from it. I wasn't really mad about it. When we were going through school, there was no email to the parents. There was no, yes. nothing that they could see outside of the classroom. I got in trouble multiple times and my parents never knew about it because they just handled in the class. I would stick around for recess, stick around for after school for 30 minutes, walk home. No big deal. Now it's immediate. As soon as he messes up, I get an email from the school. Nothing gets by. The same stuff happened to us. It's not like it's accelerating with this new generation. We just know everything now. But when we were kids, we had grace by our parents just not knowing. Right. So now we have to be able to give that grace to our kids. Just allow them to grow. It's okay. They're going to be just fine. Yeah. I think what you're pointing to is, is really important as a, as a parent, there is, there is something where we take it on as somehow they are a true reflection of us. And Mm -hmm. to some degree that is true, but to some degree, it's not there. They are, we are sort of, setting them up for their own lives and you've got to let them i mean we made mistakes why why would we not think that they're going to make some mistakes why would we not allow them the freedom to make some of their own mistakes and and then we wonder why they want to get away from us Mm -hmm. right and uh and so and it's also interesting what you said there about our kid, our parents not knowing. And uh, that saved us a lot of times because that is absolutely true in my case. Um, because the couple of times my parents did find out something, I got in a lot of trouble. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm glad they didn't have that. Um, so for parents being parents and taking responsibility for their own actions, taking responsibility for maybe sharing their own uh, vulnerabilities, their own, their own attempts to, to get better, to learn, to grow, to the failures they've, they've had this week, any of these kind of things, learning to be able to have those kind of conversations with our kids can really empower them in them trying to identify the problems that they want to solve. It, especially if they, it, like, this is what I'm hearing from you is even as we struggle with finding our own problems that we want to solve being able to share that with the kids uh really helps them in trying to figure that out yeah i would say within reason i mean i'm not going to share my argument with my wife or something with the kids right and like me and your mom had a fight today and here's why but at the same time (laughs) right but at the same time it's it's perfectly fine to my, my kids are very integrated in my life and in my businesses and everything i don't I don't separate family from business. It's all one thing. A lot of people are like, well, that's my business. This is my family. That kind of alludes to me that your values are different in business versus in family. Mine are the same across the board. And therefore, I have no problems bringing my kids with me. I have no problems yeah. them hanging out in my in our corporate office. I have no, yeah. like nothing. There's nothing anybody's going to say there that we don't say at home. I don't talk different there than I talk at home. I'm pretty much the same everywhere yeah. we go. 
You have good yeah. days that everywhere. You have bad days everywhere. But the authentic authenticity comes when mom and dad mess up. So you get a little bit frustrated with your kid and you holler at them. And then you think later you shouldn't have done it. Okay. So do you have enough self image to go talk to them and apologize for how you messed that up? Or are you going to justify it because it was their actions that you're screaming at them, right? That's mm. what they're going to learn from. Uh, my wife's amazing at it. She is, she is one of the best at acknowledging any kind of mess up. We all mess up, right? But she's one of the best at saying, mm, I shouldn't have done that and going and talking to my kids. I'm saying she's amazing at it. And they've learned so much from that. Now, my son, he'll, if he gets a little edgy and he's hungry and he snaps at somebody, he'll come within five minutes. He's back like, hey, I'm sorry. We don't even have to ask him anymore. He's just, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Where does he learn that from? My wife, his mother, mm. because she's so excellent at it. And I think that's the things that they can really learn from. And of course, you can share wins and losses from work. That's that's amazing. But the biggest thing comes with, I think, within your relationship with them. How open and authentic can you be with them when you mess up with them versus you just justifying your action? Hmm. Okay. You, you actually just made me think of something else <laughs> that I, I want to ask you. Insight, seeing is your background, um, and you, you mentioned a little bit earlier about AI and and as you were talking about grades and all this kind of stuff, it all just kind of jumped in. And the question I got to ask is we're, we're watching a, we're watching this whole revolution, I think is, yeah. or just very disruptive force with AI. And as we were talking about learning and school and grades and all of this kind of stuff, I was literally talking with uh, my sons yesterday about this chat GPT and, mm -hmm. and, on one side, I think it's amazing in what it can do, what it can do from a learning standpoint, an education standpoint. It's also a massive disruptor, is as I see it, to whatever this thing is that we call learning or education. And do you have any thoughts about how you see AI coming into force and affecting you know, our kids or, uh, you know, for those of us as parents, as businessmen, as entrepreneurs, as, as executives, do you have any thoughts on where you yeah. see this going? Yeah, let's have this conversation. This is a good conversation. So what do you think? Let me ask you, what do you think is the purpose of education? Uh, formal education? And just education. <laughs> well, education. Why is, it different? I, Why is formal education different from regular education? Uh, well, because I think or why formal it be? well, I I don't know, I don't know if it should be shouldn't be. I, I just know that by and large, uh, formal education or academic system is real. It's built around the government and all of its goals and what it's trying to mm -hmm. pass on to you. Hundred percent. And and so for me, when I think of education, I really think about learning, and mm -hmm. I believe that's a life. That's a life skill. That's something that you're going to do for the rest of your life till the day you die. Mm -hmm. And and so when you said something earlier, I agreed with it really needs to be about learning. Never mind all the rest of the stuff. If mm -hmm. if you can learn how to learn some of those skills around that. Do I do I think math is vitally important? Absolutely. Not the level that the academic system wants to teach you. 
or thinks that it's needed, but um, but I think math is absolutely necessary. Do mm -hmm. I think reading is necessary? Absolutely. Do I think exposure to all these subjects? Absolutely. At the end of the day, I care more about when it when it comes to kids in school. I care much more about them having a interaction with other kids and uh, that social aspect, and b the ability to learn and broaden their horizons in terms of what's available to learn out there. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know if that was really the question you're asking, but that's my yeah, you're fine. that's my thoughts around it. Yeah. So chat GPT, open AI is basically for anybody who doesn't know, it's just an AI system that allows you to ask, request, command, and it, it'll you can put in prompts. It'll give you answers. You can follow up with more prompts and it gives you further answers as if you're having a conversation with a person with the fastest brain in the world. Yeah. Give it that way. I can say, write me a blog about leadership and it'll, it'll write a blog. And I'll say, now make this for dads. And I'll talk about that. And I say, now make this for dads with teenagers. And it'll, it'll, it'll keep on correcting as long as you want. And then you can take that blog copy paste it in Google to see if it's plagiarizing and there's not, you're not going to find anything. It's not plagiarizing. But what it's doing though, is it's gathering information that it knows. It's not, it's not a system that has its own brain and can create things that don't exist. That's what humans do. We imagine things and we create things that have never been seen or even imagined before. Like the iPad. Nobody ever thought about an iPad or an iPhone before it existed. The touchscreen if OpenAI ChatGPT happened back when BlackBerry was possible and you wanted to come up with something, it would all reference that type of technology. It wouldn't just come up with an iPad for you. So we are definitely needed. But think of it as the fastest brain of existing knowledge ever. Therefore, you don't need to worry that it's just going to take take over every you know your thoughts because your thoughts are unique. That's one argument here. Like, what if it's like you know taking over the world? Okay. Now, is it processed faster than me? Probably. Is it processed faster than a small group? Probably. The other argument I hear is always from the educational inst institutions, and that is colleges banning ChatGPT. It happened all through December and January. <clears throat> I would see these blogs of this college is now is now uh, banning it. And this college, okay, they might be able to ban it on campus. They're not banning it in life. It's a free open app, open domain, anybody can get on. I've been using it for a couple months. In my mind, in general, what I want my kids to understand how to do is not memorize and, re and regurgitate for tests just to make the institution happy and to make the government happy. I want them to be able to go and accomplish whatever God has called them to do. And to be able to do that, they need to be resourceful. In this day and age, it's not about understanding how to memorize all the math equations and logs and how to do all this crazy stuff. I was a high up in math in college, so I understood a lot of it. Within five years, I forgot most of it. And th they don't need to understand things like that. They need to be resourceful and understand how to go find the answers. The people who get paid the most in this world, who have the most value, are not the people with the highest IQs necessarily. It's a few of those. But it's the people who are the most resourceful. It's the people who can go put the best teams together, who can go find the best knowledge from other people, and so forth. Those are the people who bring a ton of value. Is there a few high IQ people? Yes, but we all know people with giant IQs from high school and college who went on to do almost nothing. And so, and then you got people like me, pretty average, 
I don't know what your IQ is. I've never even taken an IQ test because it seems like a waste of time. But my goal for them is to learn, understand how to learn. And part of understanding how to learn is, is understanding how to go get the information. And so the reality is the institutions are mad because chat, chat GPT shortens the learning curve and it helps them get answers apparently to their tests. Well, then the issue isn't that like AI is not going away. So in my mind, either the institution is going to go away or they have to change how they're teaching. They have to start changing instead of how to memorize for to, to, to write a paper on something that doesn't matter anymore. Like, let's start teaching them within your financial or with your financial within your educational institution how to go and use these programs to learn better. How to, how can they use these to advance things? How can they problem solve? How can instead of saying, here's what I want you to learn and here's the test you need to take and the, the 17 questions. And if you don't get, you know, at least 15 of them right, you get a bad letter grade and all these things. It's ridiculous. They give you 20 questions. If you get more than five wrong, you get a terrible grade. Like, really? You got 15 out of 20, right? It's pretty good. And the reality is, though, that that's terrible. You have obviously not studied. Okay, that's fine. Instead, why can't we give them a problem and say, hey, here's the issue, and I want you to go solve it. Use whatever tools you have available to you. You want to go use ChatGPT? Fine. But ChatGPT is just going to help you find items. It's not giving you the answer that you need to use for school, but it might give you some answers that you can apply and then go get, and then ask it another question and another, it only answers the questions you ask. So therefore I think we should be using it and understanding how to ask the right questions. The more I use chat GPT, the more I understand I'm asking the wrong questions and I ask a different type and I ask a different type and it gives me new answers and new answers. Therefore in a year, I'm going to be the best question asker ever because I've learned what types of questions to ask to get the answers that I need. Isn't that what we want for our kids? Or do you want A's? <laughs> yeah. And what does an A say really? Um, I, I think that when it comes to kids and learning, and this is part of the conversation that I had with my son with this, I think you could take it as kids and I'm not saying this is what parents should do, but, I'm I'm thinking for my kids, hey, you've got this book, you want to write this report, you can ask it this question. You still have to take what it gives you and be able to formulate it and say, yes, do I agree with this? Do I not agree with this? Do I and and if you're if your kid is taking chat GPT, taking an AI source, having it write its homework for it him or her, and submitting that without even looking at it, then I think there's other issues that you probably need to look into with, you, you know, what with your parenting, <laughs> with what you're doing with your kids, right? Because if you've tried to foster an environment where, hey, use all the tools, like you said, then then you want them to do that. And, and what I love is, I've got a great example that I share with my kids, and that is my wife, who is a nurse. She kept all of her textbooks when she finished um, when she finished university, and she was like, "I need them for reference." I said, "Really?" Now I'm thinking that information is done with by the time you've gotten your degree. It's already old information. 
And uh, I said, okay, that's great. And I kept the textbooks and um, I actually took them all and I put them underneath the stairs and about five, four or five years later, I was like, hun, uh, do we still need those textbooks? She's like, yeah, I, I need those textbooks. And I was like, okay, hang on. Where, where are they? I was like, you have not referenced them once because they've been under the stairs the entire mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. and, right. And, and I said, so obviously that's not the most up-to-date information. You're finding information somewhere else for, mm -hmm. for that. And if so, if our kids aren't able to be able to use the tools to find information, then, mm -hmm. then they're in serious trouble, no matter what marks they got here and now mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and that's part of what I hear you advocating. And, you know, I think for the parents that are listening, I think this is, this is a powerful thing for them to realize that these are going to be the tools that they have to use. I think mm -hmm. the educators need to, to understand that these mm -hmm. tools are only getting further and further and in business and like, you know, I was like, ah, AI, whatever. But then for me as a businessman, I started looking at it and going, this feels to me like the iPhone. You mm. mentioned it. This feels like when the iPhone came in, if you had your money in Blackberries, you lost it. And, mm -hmm. uh, and cause everything went over to iPhone. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, I think anyone that's not learning about chat GPT, open AI, all this AI that's coming forward. I think even on the business front, you're mm. missing the boat. Do you have any yeah. do you have any thoughts on where that fits in on the business side as well? Yeah, I just think that on the education part real quick, if we would start if they want to the goal should be that they understand what the knowledge base, not can regurgitate yeah. the knowledge base. Yeah. If they want them to understand it, allow them to use all tools and then just run like in in cybersecurity, we do these things um, called simulations and some people call them like battle testing or just all kinds of war gaming, all these different things, but it really, it comes down to a simulation. So when you want someone to understand, if you want to know like, they're, oh, they're using chat GPT. Okay. Well, that's because you gave them a lazy assignment and asked them to write a report that you may or may not read at the end of the report. When it turns in like, let's yes. be honest, I was in college. I was in classrooms with a hundred people plus, and they would ask you to write a five page report. I know they're not reading all 500 five page reports. It's ridiculous. And having it all back to you in two weeks, there's not possible. So you just write it make sure the pages are there. It looks pretty good. Add some graphs, whatever. It's no different. I used to fake those reports my whole college career too, because it was a ridiculous assignment and you knew they weren't going to read it and so forth. Well, okay. If you really want them to understand it, allow them to use the tools and then do simulations. Put them in scenarios where they have to yes. actually use the knowledge. They Put them in it. scenarios yes. with peers. So when they have, this is my solution, the peers, and one of the things we do in cyber with wargaming is you say, here's the issue. How would you solve it? And they come up with their, their, their answer. And then you have three or four peers that will give you other things to say, yeah, but what about this? One thing you might not be thinking about is that. And they go and they, and they, the peers could be wrong on what they're saying, but it gives you the chance to respond in a live scenario. And not that you're going to be in trouble if you get it wrong, but it, it'll easily highlight if you've been studying, if you've been learning the, the curriculum or the, whatever the topic is versus just Googling or chat GP and something. So I think it's an easy fix. They just got to fix their lazy way of teaching. 
Um, in the business realm, I think it's very similar. I would love, love to have people in my company who are resourceful. When I can say, because let's be honest, in business, there's not, there's almost never just a simple fix for anything. There's no simple solution. You're like, for example, in our cybersecurity company, we wanted to be able to deliver content to a larger audience of people within financial services. I said, hey, I need to be able to give this content. I need to know how to create it, how to record it. How are we going to do it? How are we going to create the animations? How are we going to deliver it? Where are we going to host it? All these things. And I, and I came up with some things and I came gave some to the team. Can you do that? Sure. There's no way to memorize how to do that. If they were just memorize and regurgitate people, they wouldn't be able to find the solutions. But instead, they went out, they did some research, they tried, got on demos, they asked other people in the space, all those things, and they came back with what we thought would be the ideal sort of rollout. And it worked great. Now, when we did it, if we said, we would say, you know, if we did this again, we would probably change this, like one or, one or two of these items. But that's the beauty. We tried things. It worked great. We might make adjustments for the next time. But that's 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 why you get people who can who can learn how to think and solve problems, not people who just are great academically. Yeah, I I, I think one of the the things for any entrepreneur, any business owner, one of the things they you have to learn pretty quickly is the people who do nothing that but stay in their lane. And the people mm. that have the ability to uh, be creative, and and I I remember uh, when I used to work for the government and uh, for the federal government, and I would go and thank our admin staff, mm -hmm. and I was like, "Wow, you guys are amazing!" And one time I said, "You know what? I could never do your job," and mm -hmm. they were like, "What are you talking about?" Because I, you know, I'm the supervisor, I'm getting paid and more, and all this kind. And they're like, what are you talking about? And I said, I, I couldn't do that job. I don't have that ability. I have literally fallen asleep while doing data entry, you know, keying stuff mm. in. And I yes. hit my head face right off of the keyboard. <laughs> I fell asleep. My brain went to sleep. Boom. And I woke up as my head came up off of the keyboard. And, and I admire someone that's got that ability to be able to focused like that but that same ability that allows them to do that to get that type of perfection in keying in that data is mm -hmm. also a bit of a detriment when you want someone that perhaps can look at all of this other stuff that what could we do over here what's the creative solution and so it's vital for business owners for entrepreneurs and i think even for us as parents to be able to look and go and, and to see those differences and start mm -hmm. identifying those things. Um, I'm, I've been fortunate to, that I've had, that I have four kids mm -hmm. and they have different personalities and even the importance of changing up the learning styles for each of them. Yes. And, and I had two girls. I was sort of lucky because they, man, those two just got into everything, studied, everything was great. Now the, boys are coming along and they are completely <laughs> different, yeah. completely different. And their learning styles are completely different. And quite frankly, I'm confused at anything right now. They're teenagers and I'm still trying to figure out as, as a dad, how to navigate and negotiate um, mm -hmm. where they're at, how to be a support for them in their learning process. Um, yeah. 
give any advice for me? Sure. Yeah. So I have a son and a daughter. My son came first and my daughter drastically different. My son yeah. is in, in middle school and he's the kid who from about the age of two to probably nine, maybe eight or nine was all over the place. I mean, he was not, he's not bad. None of my kids have ever been like malicious, but just like, wild into everything but he was also the smartest kid in every class, like academically. Mm. Academics came easy. He just knocked yeah. them out. Didn't have a problem. When COVID hit, he was homeschooled for two years. And I barely even helped him. And he just masterfully walked through that. Okay, cool. My daughter is the opposite. But my son has things he's not good at. Like sometimes he's awkward in certain social situations. Not not all. He has friends. But there, it took him takes him longer to pick up on social cues than my daughter, who's in second grade and is excellent in social situations. But she also was not as quick in some of the schooling things. So like when she's in second grade, but we actually had her review second grade twice. As a parent, you're like, oh, have I messed up? I'm like, the reality is she was a little bit younger in her grade. And she didn't pick things up as quick, but she also had hit COVID and was sent home halfway through kindergarten, all of first grade, half of second grade. And then we sent her to a private school and she kind of started getting rolling again. And we said, you know what, let's just swallow our ego and let's have her do it again. And she did. And she's performed excellent. Took some state tests. She's in an advanced levels. I mean, doing amazing. But it just didn't come as fast. She did. My son was reading chapter books in first grade. I mean, maybe kindergarten. I don't even, it was ridiculous. Her it took longer, but the reality is we just put them in an environment. And one of the biggest things parents try to do that I think is a mistake is they try to, they try to design the way for their children and put them in the way. Like one of the highest, if you're familiar with spiritual, with a spiritual IQ, they call it SQ spiritual quotient. Spiritual intelligence, let's use that word. Um, one of the highest forms of spiritual intelligence is understanding that your path is not necessarily their path. And as a parent, you have to understand that. And you have to not just know that. You have to accept it and know that when they mess up, it's probably part of their path. When they're good at one thing versus another, it's probably part of their path. And so parenting is a lot like gardening. A, a gardener... It's not the job of the gardener to tell the seed what it should become. So when you plant an apple tree, it is designed by nature, by God, whatever you want to call it, to turn into an apple tree. And not just an apple tree, an amazing one that bears tons of fruit. But the, but the dictator of whether that apple tree bears a lot of fruit or it's basically half dead as a mature tree is the environment that it's put in and the nurturing that it's given. It's not the fact that it was the wrong thing. It was created the right way. And so if it's put in the right environment, it'll become an amazing apple tree that bears fruit for everybody to enjoy and blesses the entire world. Hmm. Same with parenting. If you allow your child to become what they were meant to become, then they will bear fruit. They will have a, a plentiful and abundant life. They will be blessed financially if that's what they want. They may not care. They will, but regardless, they will provide to the world what their value is. It may be art, it may be engineering, it may be the next 
you know, person to go over to go to Mars or something. I don't know what it is. It could be the best plumber in your town. It is what it is, but allow them to find their path and don't worry so much about is my, is my son great in school or whatever. Can you understand their learning, how they love to learn? Absolutely. There's everybody learns differently aesthetically, or I mean, uh, by listening, by seeing, by touching all those things. And my kids do differently too. And that's important, but that's an important communication style. You do that at work. But the biggest thing parents can do for their kids, understanding that their kids will become the best them when you allow them to become the best them within what they're supposed to be. Therefore, mm. the question you have to answer is, what kind of environment do I put, want to put my kids into? How can I nourish what they're interested in? My son is huge into paleontology. He liked dinosaurs when he was four. I thought it was a phase. He's almost 12. It hasn't gone away. So one of the things we invested in for him, and it was an investment, is this summer he's going to a real paleontology dig for several days. I'm going with him. We're going to be out in the heat in South Dakota, and we're going to dig up real fossils with a real paleontologist and so forth. Yeah. It's not something I was dying to do, but you know what? If he wants, if he's thinking about investing a lot of his life into this, why not give him the experience? He may hate it and realize, Dad, this is not for me, but he may fall in love with it. I don't know. And honestly, I may invest in this. He may love it. And when he turns 18, he's like, no, nah, I don't want to do it. That's totally fine because we've all done that. And so just allow your kids to walk their path. Allow them to learn as they need to learn. Some will learn faster in school. When we always say some learn faster than others, it's always into school, right? That's how we always look at things. Well, they learn, my son learned faster than my daughter, but it was in school. But to be quite honest, my daughter... I mean, gosh, he, he might be academically faster a little bit, but she is she like is, does art. So I have her in art classes now and she paints these most amazing pictures for for a second grader. And she's got another one that she's getting ready to give me next week. Yeah. Another one next week is phenomenal. And I'm like, I can't believe you painted that. I mean, most adults can't paint that. The reality is she loves it and she's yeah. good at it. And she's yeah. so she's doing art. Do people see that as something to be fruitful in? No, I don't really care. It's what she's amazing at and she loves it. And yeah. there's a proverb that says when you basically, it says that God will make room for your gifts. Yes. As yeah. long as you give space for that though, you don't give yeah. space for the room. There's no room. So. Yeah. And you also yeah. ready to jump in. I'm just letting you know, we're just past two o'clock. Thank you. Um, yeah, that, that is beautiful, John. And it really uh, brings some things home for me even made me just think about what am I investing into them to, to support them in finding the problem that they want to solve. And uh, because that that's actually been one of each of, of the four of them, three of them are pretty good about getting into that. And there's the one that seems to can be completely different. And, uh, and so that's a very interesting idea for me as I'm listening to it and I'm thinking, okay, how, what can I invest into my son to help him to support him in going and finding whatever that problem is that he wants to solve? What is it that he might get excited about or go in and realize he hates 
even if he hates it, I'd, I'd love it. it. That'd be perfect. Mm -hmm. And let him start identifying some. Of How these old things. is he? Uh, 16. Okay. And what is he super yeah. interested in? You know, that's the great question. Um, the, I would, I would like to say he's super interested in video games and hanging out with his friends and, um, working out and that kind of stuff. But he's just as easy to drop any one of those things and, um, and sit and do nothing sometimes. And, mm -hmm. um, and so is he doing nothing or is he thinking? You no, know, sometimes he'll go to sleep. He'll literally yeah. just go to sleep. Uh, um, you know, as a typical parent, I said, okay, uh, I think video games is what is an area that really inspires him and, or really that he's really enjoying, but then he'll stop. He, he won't bother with video games. Uh, we, we thought, okay, with friends, it was going out with friends. Then he realized some of his friends were causing trouble and he came home and said, you know what? I don't want to go hang out with them right now. And he stopped hanging out with them for a couple of weeks. Isn't and that amazing though? Yeah, it's beautiful. To me, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, but as I've gone through and trying to find out what is it that he really loves and I'm realizing he's sort of in a stage where he's he's just jumping. This has his attention for a minute and then this has his attention for a minute and then and and on it goes and uh and to some degree actually he's just getting a uh his first job part-time job mm -hmm. and i'm curious to see what that develops in him um or what where that takes mm -hmm. but so, so that's what i would use his don't confuse his jumping with un with uncertainty right don't confuse his jumping with uncertainty uh, yeah say more about because that. because Somebody, him not sticking with something in my, in my eyes is just as good as somebody who finds early on what they need to do. He's yeah. just going through the process of identifying quickly. Not into that. Nope. Not into yeah. that. Nope. Not into that. But here's the other thing. And here's what I love about my son and is my son's always been willing to try new things just to try not malicious things, but like sports or other activities or making friends, he would just like, yeah, let's get like everything to him could be a great opportunity. And so he just does it. And something's like, nope, hate it. He, he played football in the fall, hated it. Okay. He tried wrestling a couple years ago, loved it. Plays lacrosse in the spring, but he just tried it once, loved it. He did soccer, hated it. I mean, go on and on. He was an amazing swimmer. Like when he was young, he was so good. I'm like, this is what he's going to do. He's going to be amazing at it. As the dad who thinks his kids going to the Olympics all of a sudden. And then after the season was over, he's like, yeah, I don't want to do that again. Like what? Like it was your first year and you had all these first place ribbons like on the wall. Like what happened? You know, he's like, I hate swim meets. It's three hours long. I swim four times for 30 seconds max. Yeah. I mean, as a parent, I didn't love it either, but okay. So then you just like, let it go. He doesn't love it. If he doesn't love it, he's not going to be passionate. He's therefore, he's never going to be amazing at it because it's not what he was designed to do and yeah. just allow him to jump to jump, to jump, and he will find it. It's the right. person who won't jump and just sticks within what they hate that I worry about, right. not the one who right. drops what they don't like. Yes. The fact that he can leave friends that are not good association just says that you are a great dad, hmm. period. Hmm. Thank you. <laughs> I I am at, uh, I really do admire his ability to to drop a lot of these things and then 
pick him up. And um, and I also recognize that he's got testosterone running through his veins right now. And so, uh, <laughs> yep, there's a lot of girls running around. Uh, and and even that, it, it's a very funny world for them now in that scene versus, uh, you know, for us growing up, because, of course, we didn't have Instagram or any of these things. Mm-hmm. You had to talk to the person. So mm-hmm. anyways, uh, let me get off of that. Thank you for for that. I, I want to just sort of as we're as we're closing up here, I want to ask a little bit of what's the problem that you're trying to solve these days that uh, that's really important to you? Yeah, I'm on a mission, and that's to help more males become men, period. Right now, and for and for as long as I foresee, I'm very focused on dads because that's what I'm most passionate about. The, the best thing that ever happened to me was my son being born. I'm not saying I was bad or anything like that before then, but I can remember so vividly the moment he was born. I was the dad who when I went to a friend's house, my wife's friend who just had a baby, and they said, do you want to hold the baby? I'm like, no, I'm good. And then I remember the first time I did, I said, well, just try. We're going to have a kid here in a couple months. I'm like, all right. So I sat on the couch. I said, what do I do? I put my arms in the exact position they told me. They laid the baby into my arms, and I didn't budge for 10 minutes. Like, not a muscle. I'm like, I'm going to crush this kid. I don't know what I'm going to do. Did anybody else experience this? It was just, just me. And I held him. I was like, this is, and honestly, I just thought, let me hold it for as long as they think is acceptable and then give this kid back. And I wasn't thinking, oh, fast forward a couple of months. I have my son. I couldn't get to that doctor fast enough. I remember him saying, do you want to hold him? I was like, yes. And I picked him up. I didn't think about what's the right way to do it. I didn't care. I just knew. I knew I would never let him down. I knew that he was mine and there's nothing that I would do to hurt him intentionally. And that was that moment. That was the same moment I quit playing video games. I was the kid, the gamer in college. I remember coming home putting the kid to bed, him in his little crib, my wife going to sleep. And I sat down and I was like, I'm going to play Madden. I can't wait. It's been two weeks, been in the hospital. I sat down, I turned it on, I looked at the screen and I was just like, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. And not that Madden's bad. I just had no desire. It was not an adventure for me anymore to beat Buckeye five on Madden. And you know, some guy I never met. I, I literally took the controller. I set it down and I never turned it on again. I had not played a PlayStation until I, my son got one about a month ago that he won in a contest because we don't really, he has some video games. We never let him play a ton of it. And he has, he has them. He plays them within reason. But um, that was the first time I played. It's been years, over a decade. I just didn't care. It seems silly, but I had a new purpose and a new, a new calling. It was to be dad. And I was already teaching men. I was already leading men. But as I progressed in my parenting, I thought, I know some things that I've learned because I'm so intentional about how I parent. Not that I'm perfect, never will be. It's okay. And so I thought, you know what? So I put a blueprint together. It's called the Intentional Dad Blueprint. And I walked these dads through a 12 week course on things they can do to level up as dad. And it's my way of giving back to the world to help males become men, dads become the best dads ever, because that is a generational impact. I had a Last thing, I'll stop with this. I had a end of my last cohort, one of the dads, he had asked me for my Venmo. And I said, sure, it's around Christmas time. I'm like, he's probably sending a tip or 50 bucks or something. He sends me a $500 tip. And I thought, 
dear God, that's not happened before. And he said, Hey, I, and I was like, Hey buddy, thanks. But that was not necessary. He's like, you way undercharged for your program. <laughs> I said, glad you got some value. Right. And then he sent me this video message and he tried and he told me, and I have a hard time saying it without getting too emotional, but he's told me, he's like, John, you don't understand because of you. And it's not really because of me. Let me caveat that. It's because of him. I just, I just put him in a group to learn. He, but he, his words, he goes, because of you, I no longer yell at my kids and not just that, but my wife no longer yells at our kids. He has two daughters. He goes, we have a rule that we're not allowed to yell in the house anymore. I'm like, well, that's amazing. He goes, but you don't, you don't understand. You're not, you did not just impact me and me be better. My wife's better is better and she didn't even take the course. But further than that, my kids are now different, will now be different because I parent them at another level. They will become even better. And I parent as my kid parents parented me. And he goes, my dad was amazing. But now my daughters will parent as I have parented them and their kids now will be better because of how I've adjusted my parenting. So therefore, you have made a generational impact within just my family. He's like, you're not just helping one man. You're helping a generation of families. And I just thought you needed to know that. And that was the biggest Christmas gift I got this past year. It was just a video message that I'll never get rid of. And I can't share it. I don't share the video because it's a personal yeah. video, but that's the mission. Help yeah. males become men, dads become better because it is important. The lack of fatherhood in this in this world is getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah. As people take our attention and we stuck on these dumb video games as 40 year old men for hours on end. And we think it's not a big deal because we're just playing until we're till three o'clock in the morning and everybody's asleep. So who cares? But the reality is it stole your energy the next day. Therefore, you, you give your, your you go give your job the, what energy you have left and your family gets nothing. They get mm -hmm. the leftovers. Are they yeah. really worth the leftovers? Mm, wow. Well, so let me just ask. So this, if someone's interested in um, being a part and joining mm -hmm. into one of your groups, your group sessions. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about it? And you, I think you said 12 weeks. What does it cost? Yeah. Yeah. So I run a 12 week cohort and I put you in a group with other dads. Now understand these are not slouch dads. These are successful people. My last group had people who were it executives, somebody who was high up in the military and goes on missions that we don't ever even know where he is. And he also owns multiple companies, does very well financially, lives in the West Coast, just doing great. San Diego, which is not exactly the cheapest place in the world to live. It's one of the most beautiful places in the country to live. But I mean, these are great dads and all of them are actually good at being a dad. It's just like leadership. When you go to a leadership conference or course, is it full of bad leaders? No, these are good leaders who want to be better. Mm -hmm. Same thing. These were good dads. They were like, this is important to me. It's something for me to invest in. So I put them in a cohort. And it's a group. The content is good. The group is just as important as the content because you learn from each other's experiences. We become vulnerable. Um, we start talking about things openly in an environment that you have not been able to do it in before. Yeah. And without judgment, because we all go through stuff. I share my own stories. I have to share a lot of my own stories early on just to get you to open up. So that's the, one of the biggest compliments I get. All my, what they call Andrew and Lily stories. That's my kids. Their pictures are behind me. You can kind of see them. And then 
it's a 12 week course. We go through content. It's usually about 90 minutes. Um, what else? Yeah, that's about it. I do some one on one coaching as well yeah. for somebody who's like, Hey, I, I, I love that, but I really need some specifics on my yeah. specific life. And so we do that as well. Um, my cohort right now, it runs at, um, 1995 as in like 1,995 and yeah. it's 12 week course. I think wow. it's a deal. Um, yeah. And so, and, and how long is each session? 90 minutes. 90 uh, it depends minutes. on the okay. amount of people that could get in the, in the cohort. It could be longer, yeah. but typically I like to do classes of under 10. So these aren't like 50 people. It's 10 or yeah. less. Yeah. Um, I've run classes of three and four and that's totally fine doesn't matter yeah. to me. I don't care how big the class is. I care that you 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 find self-discovery and how to become the best man that you can be. Very powerful. And uh, John, again, thank you for coming on the show. It's my pleasure. All right, guys. We'll see you next week on the Leadership to Wealth podcast. Mm -hmm.